WUOG 90.5 FM presents Out There, a weekly journey into the world of the occult, conspiracy theory, the paranormal, and other bizarre undercurrents of the human psyche. The views expressed on this program do not reflect those of WUOG 90.5 FM, the University of Georgia, or the Board of Regents. It's Out There with your hosts, Raymond and Joe. Live from our secret lair on the fifth floor of Memorial Hall. This is Out There. My name's Joe McFall. Oh, quit trying to build <laughs> it up. My name is Raymond Wiley. It's good to, good to see you guys or Raymond, talk you, to you guys again. You always regret when you let me come in to like, do the intro. Well, we know, we <laughs> know <that's> why. why. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, yeah. Sometimes Raymond wishes that I had a chip in my head that would sort of restrict what I had to say. When I, you know, for stuff like Joe, that. Joe, if you've been listening to this show for any length of time, you know that we all have chips in our heads. That's right. That's right. And they must be malfunctioning if you're listening to this, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. anyway, um, yeah, another week of Out There. Yeah, I'm, welcome. Thanks for listening to the show. Welcome. Yeah, I'm very excited. Yeah. We, uh, good stuff's going on, man. We just got our posters printed up. Oh, yeah, yeah. We got, there's some an 11 by 17 small poster slash flyer type things that are really cool. We're going to be um, hanging them around around town over the next few days in Athens. If you're in Athens and you want one, come up to the studio and get one. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Fifth Floor Memorial Hall. So, yeah, and you know, the usual announcements, we're out there on uh, AOL Instant Messenger right now. Our screen name is Out There Radio. So if you want to ask us a question or... Uh, hit us with a comment. We'll be happy to address it on the air. Uh, like I said, Out There Radio is our AOL Instant Messenger screen name. Raymond has per- has recently attached that to his personal screen name, too. So like, he, if you see us online a lot more, we're online now more than just when the show is on. So if you see us online, send us a message. Raymond will, Raymond will be there. Yeah, drop me a line and talk yeah. to me. I mean, I'll, I've already gotten like a lot of great stuff just from talking to people online that I probably would have never run across, or it would have taken me a lot longer to run across it anyway. Yeah, and so, thanks to everyone who sent us emails and IM'd us and right. left us feedback and reviews on various sites around. Absolutely, and keep, keep in mind, that's kind of the way a lot of shows like this work. I mean, this is a whole community of information, as it were, and you know, contributing you know, whatever you're interested in to letting us know about it is... Is a great oh, way to yeah. get those things kind of out on the air and out into the uh, public discourse, I oh, guess, yeah, yeah. more there, and more. So. There's a lot of stuff that we have to talk about that we don't even know that we need to talk about it yet. Exactly. So <laughs> yeah. let us know. Clue us in. Right. Anyway, what, do we have anything else? Well, that actually brings me to another point, which is sort of we, we, we have some upcoming scheduled shows. If um, So keep listening. We're still talking to the Reverend Ivan Stang from the Church of the Subgenius. Yeah, that one's going to be fun. we got a Rosalind Chapel episode coming up in the near future mm-hmm. as well. And, uh, you know, this and that. This and uh, that. Yeah, a lot of stuff going on. So if you want to check us out online, www.myspace.com slash radio. We want to thank our dear friend Anne for helping us out with MySpace and bringing us a lot of new friends in the past week. Thanks, so, Anne. Thanks a lot, Anne. Did you say the email? Yeah, I was about to say last right, but not least, outthereradio at gmail.com is our email address. And Drop uh, us a line and say hi. Please send us some feedback. So... Let's get on. Let's with let's the do this because we've got a great episode today. Today we're going to be talking about, um, you know, some we've done a few shows where we sort of talk about 
um, not any particular conspiracy theory, but rather a conspiracy theorist, right. a person who has developed a like a unified field theory, if you will, of like who controls the world and what they want. Right, and as um, as we talked about in an earlier episode with James Shelby Downard, you know, we defined him as kind of. Uh, the quintessential version of that for the 50s and 60s, and maybe even the 70s. Mm-hmm. Well, the guy we're going to talk about today does that for the 80s and 90s, what James Shelby Denner did for the 70s and 80s. So I guess well, with, without... Well, yeah, the, well, let me just say his name real quick. William Cooper, you you may recognize his name because he wrote a fairly well-known book in sort of the conspiracy field called Behold a Pale Horse, which we'll talk about later. Right, he was also a famous shortwave radio host yeah. and lecturer. And so and he's who we're going to talk about today. He's got a very, very interesting story and um, one that one that'll probably live on for a long time. I think he, he's got a legend that's going to kind of grow. So anyway, yeah. um, I guess without any further ado, we're going to kick it over to Stephen in the booth. He's going to play this clip for yes, us. Yes, he's going to play us uh, something to start our little William Cooper episode with. So thanks a lot, Stephen. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here tonight to bring you some revelations, so to speak. We've been asleep for many, many years, and it's time now for us to wake up. And it's time for us to wake up not in fright, not to look around and jump back from the shadows, but to come awake with our eyes open realizing what stands in front of us and what we must do so that we can live our lives again in peace and tranquility. And we must, at all costs, guard against drifting back into the slumber that we have been in for the last 40 to 50 years that has really created the situation that we find ourselves in today. Yeah, those are the words of William Cooper. And uh, he's who we're going to talk about here today on Out There. Joe, what what are your first thoughts, just from what you've what you've read about Cooper. What's the first thing that comes to your mind or maybe that you would want to communicate about this guy to our listeners? He was murdered. He was murdered in cold blood by government officials. <laughs> that's a that's <laughs> a bold statement, my friend. Well, is it wrong? Uh it's uh from what you've read and the like the you know, his friends who there the only witnesses it seems were the you know, the Apache County Sheriff's uh pe- people who shot him in front of his house. On a night in November. Yes, basically, back in 2001. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess that's our best springboard for this. That's story. a good place to start. But and re- let's first, Raymond, talk about you know, you know what happened. So the, this guy was murdered. But you you heard the clip, listeners out there. You know, you you heard what the clip that we just played. He wasn't just a sort of regular kind of guy, and it's not, uh, you know, he he was killed by the police for a reason. And let's just first talk about like the circumstances surrounding his death, and then we can start talking about who this guy was and more of his background. Because you wouldn't think that, you know, the charges that they were going after that, that he would get shot down. Right. Well, let's go back to that 
strange, dreamy time in the fall and uh, early winter of mm. 2001. That's when I guess we're going to start our story for today. It was November, early November of 2001, not too long after, of course, 9-11 happened, that, well, you know, this local, pretty famous shortwave radio host and lecturer, William Cooper, had this incident, which we're about to talk about, mm-hmm. with Apache County sheriffs in, in Arizona. Right. So Cooper, you know, he, um, we're going to get into his beliefs a lot more later. But, you know, he definitely was the type that would move out away from civilization, and that's exactly what he did. And uh, he had he even sent his family away in the year before that and was mm-hmm. living basically alone at that time and had always been afraid right. of the, the powers that be basically coming and getting him. He had always, and we're going to talk about this more later, but he had always talked about this on his radio broadcast, in his book, you know, in his lectures, that one day this was going to happen to him. And it's almost, you almost wonder if it wasn't a self-fulfilling prophecy. So what happens is, is, you know, this famous radio show host, these county sheriffs come to serve a warrant on him for a for a, an assault accusation. It was an assault right. complaint. A doctor in town, the local coroner, had complained that uh, Cooper had brandished a gun at him when he had come up near his property. So, um, you know, instead of serving the warrant that they had in a sane manner, right. uh, these Apache County Sheriff's deputies... Uh, the, the sheriff was out of town at the time. Oh, yeah, the main sheriff for the county was out of town. He His, was on vacation. A lieutenant that was underneath him was like, oh, well, we're going to go out and do this today. And they say that they just came up with the idea that day. We're going to go out and serve this old outstanding warrant on this William Cooper guy. So what they do is, and this is, if they had the idea that day, then they sure did a lot of... preliminary intelligence work on this guy because what they did was they (laughs) they posed as like rowdy teenagers yeah yeah. You know, they were in plain clothes. Apparently and, there's a, like there was a cul-de-sac near Cooper's house and frequently there'd be teenagers or college kids going down there drinking and just have, you know, just having a little party out in the woods in a cul-de-sac. Exactly. And exactly. Cooper would go down there off, often to like shoo them off the mountain and run them off. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And um I don't know if he'd ever brought his gun down there before and fired off into the air or whatever, but I don't think so. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the Police, in order to serve up this warrant, instead of knocking on his door in their uniforms, did this plain clothes operation where they posed as teenagers to try to lure him away from his property. And I mean, and I gotta say, you know, there's no standoff here. It's not like Ruby Ridge where they thought he right. was gonna shoot him up. It was like this was just their, you know, their way of, of going about this highly irregular. So yeah. he drives down there, sees these people. He's like, hey, I'm gonna call the cops. And at that point, they rush him. Mm-hmm. And they still hadn't identified that they were the police yet. Well, in fact, um, the account that I read is uh, it said they didn't rush him at the scene. He he turned around, three-point turn, started driving back up the hill to his house, and another plain, a plainclothes police officer comes out of the bushes on the side of the road. This is almost midnight. Right, and jumps onto the side of his yeah. step-side step truck, and Cooper punches him because he's in plainclothes and he hasn't identified himself right. yet. Right, so none of them have identified themselves. Right, so Cooper... Hightails it, or, or another a car comes over the hill, oh, and yeah. it's going to block his way. So Cooper like hightails it around this car that was going to block his way back to his house. Like goes into his house, uh, pulls into his yard, jumps out of his truck, and, and is gunned down by two sheriff's deputies that were there in his yard. Basically. Yeah, the well, the, the the deputies claim that he fired first, right? And one of them was shot, right? So 
could have gone either way. They could have fired first on him. He could have fired first. No right. one will ever really know. Right. Cooper apparently was shot six times, once to the head, and that was not the fatal wound. Right, once in the heart. Right, yes. the heart was the fatal wound. Interesting story, you know, like 15 police there on that one operation to right. serve a, a search warrant. At midnight. At midnight? Yeah, not even during the day, like at midnight. Yeah. And um, know, it's just fishy, you know. So, and they're and they're all in their tactical garb. You right. know, this is a guy who, I mean, we're going to talk about this later, but this guy who believes in the New World Order, man, believes the, you know, you know, the stormtroopers are going to come and get him sooner or later. This is how it's going to happen. Right. And there it right. is. Boom. There it is. There's your stormtroopers. They really did come and get you after believing. It's just like Waco. Yeah. That's it's what just I was going to exactly say. Like we'll do Waco. a show about Waco probably April. around April. Yeah. yeah. But it's the same sort of thing. And I, you know, it's funny. It's not funny, but it's interesting how often this kind of thing happened during the 90s and the early part of this, of you know, 2000s, I guess. Right. Well, think about it. I mean, there was no real external threat. So, you know, the FBI and ATF and other, just law enforcement in general, they they turn on their own people, mm-hmm. basically. And most of these people were, I mean, they call themselves the Patriot Movement. It, right. can, be, it can be debated endlessly whether they are actual patriots or not. But, right. you know, I'd say most of the people in these kind of movements aren't. So, aren't. Or don't aren't worthy of being shot. Certainly. Right. So yeah. who was this guy, Ray? Why why did he get shot? Right. What happened? Well, what what are the events? I mean, how do you? I'll tell you end this. I'll tell you shot? this, Joe. Bill Clinton said he was the most dangerous talk show host in America. Maybe the most dangerous man in America during the nineties. Because he was sort of viewed as a right wing talk show host. Exactly. In fact, exactly. I think Rush Limbaugh. <coughs> sorry, Rush Limbaugh. Uh, I think read that quote on the air that William Cooper is the most dangerous talk talk radio host in America. Well, yeah, and you know the whole Filegate thing with Clinton. Right. Uh, one of the files that they had illegally obtained from the FBI right. was William Cooper's right. FBI file from when he had worked in intelligence and stuff, and we're about to talk about. You that, know what so. the thing is is, and I know we'll get to this, but like right wing isn't necessarily the label I would put on William Cooper. I would call him a libertarian. If anything, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So. Anyway, yeah, so Clinton in the late 90s had called this guy the most dangerous talk show host in America. He had obviously been labeled by law, by some law enforcement mm-hmm. as a troublemaker, you know, okay? And so, you know, cut to a few years later, he's even more paranoid. Law enforcement's even more paranoid because 9-11's just happened. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, he ends up dead. Right. Now, you know, we can't, I certainly can't pass any judgment on what really happened to him. You said he was murdered earlier in the episode. I wouldn't go so far as to say that I know that for sure. Well, I mean, his death was a homicide. I, well, that's true. But, I'll, t- but I'll tell you this. It is convenient that an outspoken critic of the American government like William Cooper would die just two months, missed, like in, in weird circumstances, just two months after um, 9-11. It just seems yeah. to add up too much. Yeah. And it really, to me is indicative of the end, kind of an end of an era in the whole conspiracy theory subculture. I mean, he, in a way, defined the 80s and 90s through his conspiracy yeah, theories. Yeah, he was probably the biggest name in conspiracy in the whole conspiracy theory field in the 80s and 90s. Right, and now he's gone. And what's left is for us to talk about him right. and for some people to keep his, his name going. And, and that was, I think, and, you know, we've, we've mentioned this on previous shows, and I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point, but, like, conspiracy theory during the 90s was a lot different than it was during the 70s and 80s. I mean, 70s, it was wrapped up with Kennedy still. Um, uh, the big difference, I mean, okay, well, if you, I mean, people overlook this all the time, but you, you can easily define conspiracy theory and stuff like that in the 90s. X-Files. 
Yeah. And and yeah. and so you you want to know the streams people were running and go back and watch some old like first right. second season episodes of X Files. But it also, there's a lot of subjects like that. But because we had a you know a democratic president too, it I think um, the you know conspiracy theory viewed as a sort of reaction to the people in charge it would be natural for it to take sort of a swing rightward. And I don't think William Cooper is emblematic of this necessarily because, you know, of the stuff that I've read, he's more libertarian than anything. And although he is, I mean, he is of the type, of the sort of genre uh, that talk about the UN and one world government and uh, socialist slave states and that kind of stuff. Yeah, he never comes out, certainly. And he never comes out against the Republicans or against the Democrats. But, you know, he... He it, certainly does come out against certain figures. Individuals. Right. Yeah, so, like I mean, the Bush the first, Clinton. Oh, of course. In, Bush the first and Clinton yeah. more than anybody else. Right. And, you know, he hates the CIA anyway, which yeah. we're going to talk about. Yeah. But, you know, also the Cole Clinton things. He thinks that these guys are ushering in a new world order. Right. So, let's, let's, get let's to, rewind yeah, a couple rewind of decades. Where, do, where are his roots? What's, where does he come from? Well, William Cooper was born into a military family. Uh, he had, uh, I think his father and uncles were in, I believe, the Air Force or the Army Air Corps or something like that. So, you know, as he says in his books and in his lectures, he grew up hearing stories about Foo Fighters and other strange things that pilots would see, you know, flying around out on missions. Just secret stuff that you come across when you're in the military because, I mean, let's face it, there's a reason why so many people who who go into the subculture of conspiracy theories are from the military. It's because they see stuff that most people aren't privy to. Right. So he starts off in that environment, and also an early experience that he talks about in his book is uh, being inducted into the Jacques de Molay Society. Are mm-hmm. you familiar, Joe, with the Jacques de Molay Society? Not so much. The Jacques de Molay Society is a Freemasonic <laughs> children's organization. It's named after Jacques de Molay, the last Grand Master of the Templars. So mm-hmm. when people tell you that um, that Masons don't have any don't claim to have any connection to the Templars. Well, there you go, Jacques right. de Molay Society. Clinton was actually in the Jacques de Molay Society. Huh. So he, he, as a young man, was initiated into, into that, but only stayed with it for a few days, um, lived out of country on Air Force bases and stuff like that. When he got of age, he joined the Air Force and worked as, like a, I think, a hydraulic technician on uh, missiles and airplanes and things like that. So he had a security clearance. Um, when he finished his first tour in the Air Force, he joined the Navy and volunteered for submarine duty. And this is where the story gets really interesting. Right. The submarine so, duty is sort of like where William, the William Cooper that we know from the 80s and 90s sort of was awoken. Awakened. Awoken. Sorry, I'm a linguist. So I'm always Awakened. Attention. Is it awakened? I think so. Why not awoken? Anyway. This is where the weird stuff starts happening, right. like I was saying. He uh, is on watch. See, submarines don't travel all the time underwater. Right. They some they travel on the surface a lot of their voyages. So, he's on watch on deck of the submarine. They are out in the Pacific between Washington and Hawaii somewhere. And he says that he's out on deck and he spots two and a half miles. I think he says like two and a half miles outside of the ship or out into the ocean. He sees a disc-shaped mechanical craft the size of an aircraft carrier come up out of the ocean. Wait, how big? The size of an aircraft carrier come up out of the ocean and shoot up into the sky and disappear. Right. 
Wow. Right, so he sees this. He's like, what the heck did I just see? He sees a UFO the size of an aircraft carrier come up out of the ocean. Right. This this would be a pretty shocking experience for me, too. For think. anyone. Right. So you can see, and this is the event that leads him down this path. Right. It starts him down the whole thing. This is, you know, probably the late 60s, early 70s. He's off on this boat. I can't he's... imagine if, you know, anyone who sees something like this, whether it's, I mean, you can debate all you want about sort of the, the you know, whether... UFO sightings are real or not but like if you see something and you believe you see something and you perceive it and it's there in front of you then that has an effect if you see the size a UFO the size of an aircraft carrier come up out of the ocean you're going to be different well hey man I'm not even done with the story yet. I know it gets crazy so he he goes and and he calls one of his one of his mates to uh come down and or to come up on the deck and like see if he can spot it too and lo and behold the thing dives back down out of the sky and goes back into the water and, this, and they both see it, and they're both dumbfounded. So they go and get the captain and let him know. And he said there were about two or three people on deck at that point, and then they watched this thing go up and down out of the water for like 10 or 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. So a bunch of other people saw it. So, you know, the captain immediately tells them this is top secret. Don't talk about this to anybody. And when they get to shore, a member of ONI, the Office of Naval Intelligence, debriefs them all and... You know, initially asks him what he saw, and basically, um, you know, at first he's like, yeah, I saw this craft, it was giant, it came up out of the water, and the guy said, you know, he said that the the ONI guy got completely irate at him saying this, and Cooper kind of got the idea, and he says, you know, after that I just told him I didn't see anything, and they thought, and the guy said, well, that's great, you'll go far in the in the Navy or whatever, so... That was the last he really heard of it, and he said he had to sign all these documents, you know, swearing him to secrecy and all this stuff, but, you know, if he really did break his code of secrecy there, they never came after him, obviously. I guess they wouldn't want to let something like that out. So, you know, anyway, you can see how this experience would just be completely life-changing. After that, he stayed in the Navy for many years and ended up doing work with the Office of Naval Intelligence with a higher security clearance. He said he believed that the reason he got such a high security clearance was because he had been in the Jacques de Molay Society and had been at least a small part of the secret society network that he felt backed up the military and world government. Anyway, yeah, Bill Cooper was in the ONI for a while. Mm-hmm. And he also worked in the office of the head of the Pacific Fleet and would prepare briefings for this guy on a daily basis or on a pretty regular basis and we get up really early in the morning. And if you think about this, Joe, this is really interesting. Mm. This is the exact same position that uh, Fletcher Prouty, who we've talked about in the uh, Iron Mountain show, Fletcher Prouty had the exact same position in the Pentagon as this guy had, William Cooper had, with the head of the Pacific Fleet. He's preparing briefings each day that sometimes require background information about different things. So he's got documents coming across his desk. He's seeing it, just like Prouty. And you think about that. These are both low-level type people who have access to this kind of information so they can then give it off to higher-level people. Mm -hmm. And it's like this one compromising position. Right. That seems to keep creating these people. And but it's got to be someone. Someone has to sit at that desk doing that. Exactly. And you can see how if you see weird things over and over like this. Especially if right. you saw a huge UFO fly out right. of the First. ocean. First. Right. And you know that. And you know from that alone that there's 
some something weird going on. There's some massive cover-up of information that the general public does not know, the government does know, and is withholding from us Absolutely. for whatever reason. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I guess I'll close, you know, this, this section about the, you know, the early part of his life with, um, you know, just talking a little bit about some of the stuff that he said he came across. He says he came across reports of, you know, uh, us having contact with alien races and stuff like that. And, mm -hmm. Uh, you know, uh, the, all these Majestic 12 documents. Right. You can look that up on Wikipedia, Majestic 12. It's supposedly this um, group that met with aliens mm -hmm. and stuff like that that were, like, appointed by Eisenhower. Or oh, yeah. Let's like not that. give away too much, Raymond. Let's go to a break and come back, because we're going to talk about all of that in a second. Right. So, yeah, when we come back, we'll we'll skip forward a decade or two, and we'll talk about the William Cooper, who has not only had these experiences, but then has assimilated the rest of the subculture and written a book. So, anyway, Stephen, are you ready to kick us out to a break? All right. Stick around. We'll All be right. right back. Thanks for listening to Out There. You're listening to Out There with Raymond and Joe. We'll be right back. Fifty years ago, there was a man who was contacted by... You might call it a channel, you might call it an alien being, you might call it a spirit, whatever you call it, this entity that contacted this person set in motion one of the most far-reaching, longest-lasting conspiracies known to man. It began with the Illuminati. It began with the Illuminati right from the inception of the Illuminati as a plot to depose the rulers of the countries of the world, take down the national barriers, create a one world government with the core members or executive members of the Illuminati at its head, concentrating the power of the world and the wealth of the world in their hands and subjugating the rest of the human race literally to serfdom. Okay, we're back here on Out There. That was another clip of uh, good old William Cooper talking uh, talking to us a little bit about his beliefs on the Illuminati and the coming New World what, Order. Can you, Raymond, can you um, just tell me, what, is, what was he talking about there? Let's sort of talk about what he was just talking about for a second. Because this that has to do with sort of like his, one of his like major overarching theories of how things work, right? Well, yes. He believed... And he said he had come in, he had seen documents when he was in the Office of Naval Intelligence indicating that this was going to happen. He believed in the coming of a new world order, mm -hmm. of a uh, one world government centralized globalist state that would be a police state, mm -hmm. basically, and would, you know, be able to impose its will on a slave like socialist society but it was coming it was like sort of emerging from secret occult groups that were in contact with alien intelligences is that yeah, that the was gist the of it? that was the gist of a lot of what he believed let's so yeah let's let's talk about kind of his beliefs and like that period in his life yeah you know, we had, 
keep in mind the early stuff where you know he's he's working in the military he sees a giant ufo come out of the ocean he's working at the office of naval intelligence and seeing very strange documents come across his desk a lot like many people who work at very in very similar positions and so fast forward to the 80s and 90s here we have a completely different William Cooper. By this point, he has gone from being a successful, I guess a successful businessman from all accounts, to a shortwave radio host. And well, he, um, actually, he also, there was a, his radio station was like broadcast locally on an, as, as an FM station too, like a low. Well, that was later. That, that was, was later? later. Yeah, oh, okay. this was much later. So initially I think he just started off on shortwave. The name of his show was The Hour of the Time. In fact, you can still go and check out The Hour of the Time at hourofthetime.com. They've, in fact, provided many of the resources and uh, you know materials that we've used today to talk about Cooper. They keep his name going. and Props to them. Props to them. Anyway, he becomes a shortwave radio host, right? And not only that, writes a book called Behold a Pale Horse. It's since become a best-selling classic in the occult conspiracy theory world. And uh, you may have seen it on someone else's shelves. I know that You can get it at just about any cookie-cutter bookstore out there. Right, absolutely. And it goes through all of his beliefs. It talks about his background and then goes on into the way he sees the world as being ordered. And he believes in this idea of an Illuminati, a secret society of secret societies that basically control everything in the world and that go back to the mystery religions of ancient times and he believes that maybe even that they could have even been in contact with alien intelligence now as he goes through his careers the alien or as he goes through his career the alien thing becomes less and less important but certainly you know by the time he hosts his show hour of the time and and the reoccurring series within his show called Mystery Babylon, which which really goes over this sort of whole field pretty well. He sees all of all of this Mystery Babylon thing as the the roots of the New World Order that he's talking about. And thinks that it grew out of the occult movements in Europe in the last millennium and the secret societies, especially Freemasonry, which uh, he um, is pretty anti-Freemasonic, just mm-hmm. like Downard. He absorbs, he thinks that not only the, the Masons are part of this, but uh, going back to the Templars, uh, even the Cat, like the Vatican and the Catholic Church, Mormons, mm-hmm. all sorts of people become like part of this whole New World Order power structure for him. He was a Christian. Yes, he was a Christian mm-hmm. and would mention it during his show sometimes, but... He always would, went to great pains to make sure that it was a non-religious show that he right. was running. He wouldn't use his radio show to like proselytize right. Christianity. No. But he would acknowledge, I am a Christian. Yes. And speaking of the Christianity, um, he also believed that the secret behind all these secret societies that controlled the New World Order was that they worshipped Lucifer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that Lucifer was the eye in the triangle. So, I mean, this is... Though it's his own unique brand of this, this is a lot like a lot of other conspiracy theories you will see, especially during the time that focus on the Illuminati, the New World Order. And if you go back to that clip that we were just listening to, he's talking about Adam Weishaupt and the actual Bavarian Illuminati, which was this Freemasonic sect 
that believed in basically an early form of socialism and wanted to infiltrate all the governments of Europe and actually take over. This was a real sect of yeah. people that exists. Ma- made popular in the modern era by Robert Anton Wilson's book, The, the Illuminatus Trilogy. Well, yeah. oh, Robert, well, Wilson and Bob Shea. Too. Yes, yeah. yes. And um, this Illuminati, he felt, was just one facet of this new world order, which, you know, was which was hooked up with the... Um, banking families of Europe and the upper nobility of Europe, the Knights of Malta, the Vatican, the Mormons, the Freemasons, CFR. the CFR, the CIA, yeah. the Round Table, everything. Yeah. Everybody's hooked up into this giant, vast conspiracy. And so, let's see. He ha- what, We've talked about his views on UFOs. We've talked about yeah. his views on the New World Order. Um, Do you know, Raymond, how he... Sort, how he um, because the UFO thing, understandable. You know, it's understandable that you see a UFO, you're going to be interested in aliens. You know how he came about the whole, like, Freemasonic secret society angle? Well, he says that while he was in the ONI that he had run across documents talking about the takeover of this one world government and how the U.S. military was going to help usher it in. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of is where that, this whole was, thing is got that, started. Uh, like the what was it called the majestic 12 i think that was part of it yeah magic documents that's some some of that stuff i'm a little iffy on i haven't gone through yeah enough of it to be able to say exactly where he got the idea but certainly you know people i mean he quotes a lot of common authors from the field especially in regards to the whole illuminati thing Mm So, including the Iron Mountain report, which we talked about a few yes, weeks ago. Yes, yes, he he does. Um, it's in fact still on the Hour of the Times site. I mean, as much, as good as when we were saying good things about the Hour of the Times site, now we have to say something a little bit not so good about <laughs> the Hour of the Times site. They don't. They've got the entire text of the Iron Mountain report posted on their website, but uh, they don't cite that it's a phony. Right. They don't say that, that it's, it's a hoax. Satire. So they're just so they're just an, another one of the myriad number of sources it's putting the iron mountain report out there as if it's the real thing and it's just just a hoax just a fake mm-hmm. so we did a good show on that a few weeks ago by the way if you haven't yeah, checked you it can out, check that out that's one of the documents he uses another document that he uses um and it's actually the first chapter in his book behold a pale horse is called secret weapons or silent weapons for quiet wars it was supposedly scott was talking about this earlier when he called in it was supposedly found in a copy machine at an auction and it's this document that supposedly says that um our economy really is completely controlled by the rich and the powers that be Mm. and that economy um works on the exact same principles as electrical power and electrical inductance and Mm. that you can always predict what's going to happen in an economy and that war is a basic part of it and all this stuff it's a lot like the iron mountain report Sounds more convoluted and less believable. Yeah. But it's right there up front. And it, but it kind of puts, you know, just like the Iron Mountain Report, it kind of puts you in his world where, you know, you're you're the sheeple. That's what he always right. calls everybody. He calls his listeners the sheeple. And, you know, <laughs> kind of puts you in the world of, of being controlled by the New World Order or the, or the rise of the New World Order or whatever. So... You know, he he got he got this stuff from a number of different sources, and you know he puts that document in his book. He also puts the protocols in his book, which you know I mean we have to address this about William Cooper is that he's you know been accused of being a right wing nut, and you know plotting the overthrow of the government. I don't believe any of that. I don't believe that he was a Nazi or a white supremacist or a racist, 
but I think it does show a certain credulous part of his nature that he would put the Protocols of the Elders of Zion right. in his book. Joe, would you like to comment just a little bit about the Protocols? I don't know much about it, except it's it's sort of it's classic conspiracy text, and right. it's also you know not it's not real. It's classic anti-Semitic conspiracy right, and that, theory that's text. sort of the gist behind it. That's part of the whole like um, you know uh, Jewish people control everything kind right, of thing. Right. They control and, your money. It's right. basically the same kind of stuff. And that, him and he gets a lot of flack, you know, by people like the Anti-Defamation League, who they both yeah. hate, um, for, you know, supposedly being anti-Semitic. But if you read his work and you look at the, what he's saying, it, it doesn't come across as being anti-Semitic. Right, it's not like he me. wrote the protocols. Right, you know? but he does put the protocols in his book, and I just think it shows that he's he doesn't know enough about the sources he's looking at sometimes. Just just to, uh, let me say one more thing on the protocols. It's the kind of thing, from what I understand, that uh, that for Germans in the 30s and 40s justified sending you know six million Jews into gas chambers. Right. Well, yeah, the protocols same sort right. of thing. Yeah, you know, I guess I'll just say what they are. The protocols of the elders or wise men of Zion was a fake document created by Tsar Nicholas II secret police to frame up, I think it's the Jews, it may have been anarchists originally, the antagonists of this work have changed over time, and it's mm. been reworked to you know cast blame on different groups. But it's basically, the document is this like conference of high-level Jewish bankers or bankers or something. Mm-hmm. Basically, insert whatever group. Insert whatever want. group you don't like. Yeah. And they have this whole conversation about how they're going to, they're the secret cabal that's going to take over the world and how they're going to do it. So, you know, Raymond, when we talk about stuff like that, though, and we've talked about conspiracy theorist stuff before, and we're not done talking about William Cooper, obviously, but um, isn't that what most conspiracy theory is? Whoever you don't like, just kind of blame them for all the world's problems. Like, what's different here? What's different about William Cooper? I mean, why? Why do Why do I think that William Cooper is not just blaming all the problems of the world on this new world order? Or well, I mean, it's not even, and and it's a lot of it is kind of like you know, who does he define as this new world order? Who Who is he pointing fingers at? Is it Is it just like? I mean, he can, he talks about the Illuminati and Freemasons and you know all this stuff. Right. Well, he doesn't even put too much of the blame at all the people that are in these groups. He mm. talks about the common, and we talked about this on the Golden Dawn show, one common bond of these secret society type groups is that they have a graduated uh, degree system of right. initiation. Right. Okay. And that the people, that nobody really knows the true aims of the group, supposedly, except for the people at the highest degree, mm-hmm. the last rung of the pyramid, as it were, the last right. step in the pyramid. Right. And that's very few people, Right. He believed, I mean, you know, he believed that the real secret of Masonry was that they worship Satan. Right. And had pointed to all these works by Albert Pike saying basically the same thing. But they were, mm-hmm. once again, documents that had been refuted in the past. So yeah. who who knows about all that? Um, who knows? You know, what What else do we need to talk about, about Cooper's ideology? Um, he, his militia. Okay, his militia. Did he have his, a militia? He didn't have a militia, no. <laughs> he... Did believe in the militia movement, though, and I, his politics are certainly an outgrowth of that sort of way of thinking. Part of that is we mentioned his uh, sort of libertarian ideology, and that's kind of an outgrowth of that. I mean, he was he lived in Arizona. He did own guns. He was probably a, a Second Amendment. Um, oh, he's defender, a total Second Amendment advocate. Very much so. Part of that, and a lot of the justification for like the '90s militias for 
actually forming militias in the first place was to um, safeguard the the Constitution. You know, like the Second Amendment uh, is the one that you know keeps restrictions off gun control, and and of course that's going to be a big part for groups who feel like the U the UN or some other one world government system is going to come in to their houses, onto their ranches, their farms, and take away their rights. The first one that would be taken away, Raymond, is the gun from their hand, right? And that's a lot of, I think part of that is, you know, a lot of the motivation for a lot of these 90s militias to have formed in the first place. And it would seem like that would make sense while William, while, why William Cooper might align himself with some of these groups. Well, I think they they just kind of happened at the same time. Right. I think Cooper was became a part of that culture in a way and I think his book well there was no one else to turn right. to well yeah his book know? became a hint I mean I you know I think you know somebody like Timothy McVeigh would probably have you know Turner Diaries and Behold a Pale Horse you and, know, would and be maybe on their the protocols shelf. and maybe the protocols right. would be on their bookshelf right and not good company not, for William Cooper not good company for William Cooper and you know I think he I don't know. I think he didn't worry about those repercussions so much as he would rather worry about protecting himself from the new world order, yeah. as it were. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, man, he's just an interesting figure, you know. And the fact that by the, I mean, that he ended his life ended the way it did. Yeah. In such just bogus circumstances. Right. You know? Right. The, but it also, I mean, we and we said this earlier in the show that it makes sense that there's sort of this self fulfilling pros- prophecy among paranoids you know uh the like like the koresh and his gang who you know koresh would always sort of go on about um about how one the day army of babylon can army descend of, upon you yeah and one day it, one day it, it really did, it. did yeah and, Coop, and cooper here saying you know i you know i i'm being watched the government's after me and it turns out they were well you know you said that's how he lost his leg is that how he lost his leg he, yeah he said that like uh, you know, before he started this, doing the show, that he wanted to get the information that he knew out that he had received in, in the Office of Naval Intelligence and uh, other sources. He wanted to get that stuff out, so he started preparing mailings, mass mailings, to get that stuff out. Mm-hmm. And um, he said that he was followed and that his car was run off the road on two different occasions mm-hmm. by. Uh, a limo, a black limo, and uh, he says the second time he lost his leg. That's that's when he sent his family out of the country. No, 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 no. no. This that. is way, way, way before that. This is before right. Mystery Babylon, before Hour of the Time, oh, all that wow. stuff. Okay. Yeah, he. That wasn't the show. Wasn't his first move. Right. Right. Like, so yeah. I mean, I mean, and and if all these stories are true, then wow, what does that say? Right. What does that say about? the validity of the whole thing, you know, the whole subculture and all of these crazy beliefs that we sit here and muse about each week on the show and think, oh, it could be true. Oh, that couldn't be true, but it doesn't matter because I'm going to go home and, you know, you know, smoke a cigarette and play online or whatever. Right. But in reality, you know, (laughs) sometimes people really do die, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes people do die at the hands of our government. So, for, for no real good reason other than speaking their mind. Which may be exactly what happened here. So let's talk about a few other things. He believed that he knew exactly how the Kennedy assassination went down. Tell us about it, Raymond. Uh, he believed that the driver of the limo mm-hmm. turned around and shot JFK with an exploding dart. Interesting. Yeah. 
That's why it was so gory. Exploding dart. Huh. Yeah. And let's see what else. He just he had a theory on just about everything. He'd assimilated like everything. Like he would give lectures on the JFK thing and talk about the whole exploding dart thing and talk about the Downard stuff, about the Trinity or about uh, you know Dealey Plaza and the Trinity site and all that stuff. You know he had completely uh, assimilated the Holy Blood, Holy Grail, Bayet Lee and Lincoln's thesis about the Priory of Zion and mm -hmm. the Templars and stuff like that. And, you know, it's funny that he's like, this stuff, is, I mean, in his book, like he'll be like, this stuff is absolutely true. You should read this, blah, blah, blah. And then you read it and the authors are like, we don't know if this is absolutely true. <laughs> you know, and I think he had a problem with that a couple of times during his career where he was just... Too a, willing to believe. A little too credulous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know... He may have been on the right track about most things, but some things just he's not the authority on. But he would always say that, and that's what's so good about him is yeah. he, he isn't like, oh, I don't know, Bob Larson, who will try to exercise demons on the air. Right, he, right. You know, he'll say, you know, this is what I believe. Go out and research it and do what you will with it. And don't believe it just because I'm saying it. Like, I want you to go out and research this. Yeah. And he would say that over and over again, and that's... I think the best thing that you can take out of his message is go dig. That's what he wants you to do. He doesn't want you to believe everything he hears, everything that he says on his show or whatever. He wants you to go out and dig. And I think that's probably the most important thing, like I said, to get out of his message. So, yeah, Joe, we got anything else? I don't think so. I think that about does it for what we have. Yeah, I think so, too. I think... Uh, I think we've taken a closer look at that pale horse. Yeah. So um, yeah. check out William Cooper's stuff, hourofthetime.com. You can read all about his his death, his shows, his past, and his research. His book is called Behold a Pale Horse. You can get it at just about any bookstore. Right, yeah, you can't miss it. It's very on, interesting stuff, by the way. Very interesting, very yeah. interesting. So, um, yeah, if you liked our William Cooper show, or if you're a big William Cooper fan, there was something that, you, that we missed. We'll be happy to post it on, on a blog online or something like that. So feel free to give us a instant message at AOL or at AOL Instant Messenger at Out There Radio or send us an email at OutThereRadio at gmail.com. Also, if you're listening live and have not checked out our podcast, we have all of our prior shows online. Just You can subscribe to the podcast, www.wog.org slash podcasts. Right, yeah, you'll need like, you know, uh, some kind of player that'll take a podcast. Yeah, like, like iTunes. Or something like that. Most recently we have, um, we put, a, the Iron Mountain show is up, and last week's show in which we interviewed Robert Forty about psychedelics, politics, religion, etc. LSD. And, let's save democracy. And, um, what else? Uh, the, the Moon Landing Hoax show will be up this week, too. Right, well, by the time, yeah, yeah, it'll be yeah. up this week. Yeah. So, anyway, <laughs> anyway, enough of us blathering on and giving the same old announcements as always. That'll about wrap it up for yeah. me. My name is Raymond Wiley. My name is Joe McFall. Thanks for listening to Out There. And beware the Illuminati. You have been listening to Out There, a presentation of WUOG 90.5 FM in Athens, Georgia. For more information or to subscribe to our podcast, visit www wuog.org slash podcasts or email us at outthereradio at gmail.com